This, 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 this is mythical. What's the best sparkling water? The Sport Crew says they have the answer. Check out their ranking of the best sparkling waters on the market, flavored or not. Who should we trust more, the Michelin Guide, Yelp, or a white panel van with free candy painted on the side? What the heck is wrong with you? Just a man who loves free candy. This, this is, is a hot dog, dog is, is a sandwich. sandwich. Ketchup is a smoothie. Yeah, I put ice in my cereal, so what? That makes no sense. A hot dog is a sandwich. A hot dog is a sandwich. <laughs> what? Welcome to our podcast, A Hot Dog is a Sandwich, the show where we break down the world's biggest food debates. I'm your host, Josh Sher. And I'm your host, Nicole Anaiety. And today we are discussing the Michelin Guide. Nicole, specifically, is the Michelin Guide overrated? Josh, may you please introduce our guest I was getting first? there. I was waiting for wow. a segue. She's sitting here. I'm just sitting here waiting. <sighs> waiting and just introduce introduce the girl. You two are going to gang up on me all day and that's <laughs> fine. Today we are joined by former Michelin starred sous chef. No, entremet. Uh, I, it's like a little bit of a story. I was just a cook. <laughs> Michelin starred cook, Lily Cousins, uh, fellow mythical kitcheneer. Yes. You have experience cooking in a Michelin starred restaurant. Yes, I do. Uh, the restaurant is called Cato. It Kato. had one Michelin star. One Michelin star. They're That's striving for two this year, so they get two. Good luck. I, yeah, I, I'm really excited to hear your perspective on this because I'm sure Nicole and I have our own perspectives on it. So mm-hmm. the Michelin, the Michelin Guide. For people that don't know, Michelin, the tire company, is the same company that puts out the guide, and some people Which don't is know so that. So funny to me, Who, what that big white tire guy? Well, it makes a ton of sense because literally back in the day, they were trying to promote their tires, and somebody had the genius oh. idea of like. If everybody's driving cars, a newfangled invention, mm. where are they driving them to? Let's tell them to drive to restaurants. Get Smart. out there. Wear out the tires. Use more tires driving to far off regions in France. You know, so it's called the Michelin Motorist's Guide. And they had the restaurants with the star system. But then fast forward about 100 years. Mm. And suddenly it is the end all be all of rating restaurants. Gordon Ramsay brags about having more Michelin stars than anyone. Or is it? Jean-Georges von Gerichten. Jean-Georges has a few. We might. Anyways, um, yeah, Maggie, look up who has the most Michelin stars. Jean-Georges, Robuchon. We got, we got. It is Joel Robuchon. Robuchon. Wow, I knew it was Joel Robuchon. Oh, zut alors. I Ce love me so Robuchon. Gordon. He's young. He's hot. No, Joel Robuchon is. That's not a picture. Oh, oh I dead like, man. I was like, he's yes, really he young. has passed away. Yeah. Okay. But we do love us some Joel Robuchon. Made some great potatoes. That said, do y'all think the Michelin star system is overrated? Lily, go first. Oh, that's a loaded question. It is. <laughs> I feel like it might slightly be overrated, but I think it needs to exist. Interesting. That makes sense. Like for me personally, when I was in culinary school, it was really important for me to work at a Michelin star restaurant because mm. I wanted to learn how to cut the chives properly, mm-hmm. how to flay the fish with like a couple swipes. And um, I knew I was going to learn it at a Michelin star restaurant. Um, so, yeah, I think it's it gives like cooks and chefs some sort of benchmark to aim for if you're mm-hmm. in the fine dining world or if you want to like experiment with cooking. Um, but, yeah, there's people who have, you know, like lost their lives over trying to get stars. And there's I think maybe the criteria and has to change. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. Because like you said, it is specifically for the fine dining world. I yes. think they yeah. have started to relax their sort of standards they a have. little bit. Yes. Because what people don't realize, um, Michelin Guide obviously started in France. It was rating all the restaurants in Paris. They have since moved 
internationally, yes. right? And they rate the big cities. Chicago has a Michelin guide. New York has a Michelin guide. LA, LA has one. Yeah. We have, but we also went like 10, 15 years. I think it was about 10 years without having a Michelin guide in LA because mm. Michelin was like, the restaurants that you have in LA does not serve you know, the type of food. The criteria. We, the criteria. Because yeah, it's right. very stuffy, fine dining. Like Lily said, every single chive is cut to yep. a certain degree. You know, sure. um, there's the movie Burnt produced by Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> I've never seen it the whole way through. It's bad. It's so bad. <laughs> and the the whole conceit is that Bradley Cooper is this like angry white guy chef and he's chasing mm. his third Michelin star, even though that's not how Michelin stars work. You don't just like earn two and then you keep them and then you earn your third. But he's right. chasing his third star. Uh, and so he like opens up this crazy fine dining restaurant in London, blah, blah, blah. And they're talking about the Michelin inspectors who are all full-time employees, apparently. Yep. Um, and they are all former industry professionals. Hmm. And they're anonymous. Huh. They book under fake names or nobody knows their names. Um, and they're, like, meant to dress very normally. Okay. And in the movie, they're like, yeah, they will drop a fork on the ground to see if you notice it within 30 seconds. Lily, you're not in your head. That's real? No, that is real. We... We kind of know what the timing is when they're going to start coming in. Sure. But never, we wouldn't know who they were. Um, but yeah, we were told to like go in the bathrooms like every 30 minutes and go check if like any, if there's like literally Just like a spoon. On the floor. Yeah. Like yeah. or something weird on the floor. Like they'll set it there and plant it. <laughs> Someone wrote what, in the bathroom, yeah. here I sit brokenhearted, <laughs> came to poop but only farted. And you have to like scrub that away. Before <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, true story. I totally did that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's ridiculous. I don't know. I mean, I overrated. I I think I agree with Lily that uh, it is overrated, but it needs to exist because mm-hmm. the food world, especially in the back of the house, is so intense. Yep, and it's exhausting, and um, it can it can really weigh on you. But having yep. something to like reach for and having yep. a start to potentially catch is exciting for some chefs, and it gives them purpose mm-hmm, and it gives mm-hmm, them value because mm-hmm. you know feeding people every day. Probably doesn't mean much. Oh, to cooking them. for the right. normies is so I mean, lame. I, I mean, Ugh. I mean, I love cooking for the normies. I don't care, but like certain people, it gives them something to achieve, and it's and it's a visual thing. And when you see it, you know what it is. Yeah, people know what it is. So it's like it, it affirms your whole entire career trajectory mm-hmm. for certain people. Right, and I understand that. But have I been to a Michelin star restaurant? Maybe once or twice. But has my meal been mind-blowing and has my whole entire life changed because of those meals? No. Mm -hmm. But that's just me because maybe that kind of dining isn't for me. In, like, small increments it is. Yeah. I'm a fancy girl, but, like. Yeah, I feel like from a diner perspective, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Like, I'm not looking at these lists saying, I'm not going to go to this restaurant if it doesn't have Mm -hmm. a Michelin star. But I think it is cool to, like, see from a chef perspective and even from a cook perspective, you, I mean, it does set, like, some sort of. We're, they're all like competing against each other, kind sure, of. Sure, yeah. Sure, and yeah. It, I think the food is getting cooler and cooler. Like if you look at the stuff that Noma's doing, it's crazy. Fermenting so. reindeer penises. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like shawarma stuff. Milking like, yeah. ants. That's cool. <laughs> Without a doubt, like that kind of innovation, I feel like it can't. No, this is the wrong way to say. It. I was gonna say it can only happen in those kinds of incubator kitchens, but that's not true. People are innovating in their kitchens at home all the time. Mm. But there, it's just such a. Such a cluster F. Yep. Can't say the, f- that's the <laughs> word. It's a cluster F of just so many minds and creative vices, and people just want to try new things that have never happened before. So things like Noma create yep. that kind of environment. But you don't think Noma could exist without the Michelin star system? You think the the Michelin Mm-mm. star system is what drove them? 
not Maybe. just Rene Redzepi and the entire team's mm. sort of drive, their altruistic drive to push the envelope of food and serve people things they've never had before, but you think the Michelin star system is what drove them there. Maybe not specifically, maybe not specifically Noma, but restaurants yeah. like Noma. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. have that. It almost reminds me a little bit of the Olympics in a way that sure. like, so for a sport, right, I'm going to bring everything back to track and field, of baby. Course. Let me talk about what I want to <laughs> talk for about. It, go for it. No, but you, uh, you know, train super hard in track and field specifically for the Olympics, which is only one, every, one happens every four years. There's competitions, Diamond League meets, uh, world championships that nobody outside of the sport cares about. Right. Right. But there's that one thing that people know. You are an Olympic medalist. That means yeah. something. If you have a Michelin star, that means something. People don't care about your uh, Zagat guide rating <laughs> you know yelp obviously is a big tool that people use but you know they don't care uh the san pellegrino world's best 100 list is something that's getting up there yeah. but yeah. michelin is like your olympic medal that gives yeah. you the calling card and it also i'm arguing as a devil's advocate right now because obviously y'all knew this before i sat down i think the michelin guide is outdated racist classes it needs to be burned to the ground <laughs> okay so you still stand by that i still stand by that okay. i still stand by that because i think we do need to just create a different structure right it prioritizes french cooking uh for sure they japan now tokyo has a ton of michelin starred restaurants but you see the data it heavily prioritizes french cooking which you know <laughs> i've talked about this yeah ad nauseum i don't love that um, it also is just straight up corrupt. They just take money. That's how we got the Michelin Guide back in L.A. and I believe oh. in the Bay Area is the California Board of Tourism paid them to come in right. because Michelin well, can move money around. That's okay. I mean, it's just a business. It's a business. But, it's business, baby. But, but, but yeah. realize that it's not like an altruistic, you know, uh, grading system to try and push the culinary envelope. No, it's a business, baby. They're trying to sell tires. They're trying to sell guides. They're trying to get tourist well. money. <laughs> but that does, does that make it overrated? I think it does because I don't think it reflects the best that food culture has to offer mm. because it neglects so many cuisines and techniques and styles of food. Uh, and if people aren't, who's to say that symmetrical chives are actually improving the dining experience right. of a person? You know what I mean? And so they're doing more things. They're trying to adapt, but I don't think it's good enough. I think it is a dead relic that I think needs to be put to the ground. I wrote about this when I was a magazine writer. Um, I just wrote a whole thing about how we should just stop mentioning the Michelin Guide. And <laughs> here I am hosting a damn podcast about it. But if we want it to go away and create a better system, something that's more democratic, that opens up meals at different price points, right? Like, should somebody not be able to participate in what is considered the best food if they don't have seven hundred dollars to Wait, drop? They do, don't they? Don't they have like a guy that is? Yeah. I'm looking at start. Okay, yeah. there's other they, in different categories. They call yeah. it the the Mich Michelin Bib Gourmand. That's right. Okay. Which, uh, yeah, so they they do like recognize um, more traditional restaurants. Yeah. You know, uh, like what's that one spot? Oh Monte my god, Alban. they make the the. Wait, is Monte Alban on there? It's on there. It's Let's on the go. Michelin guy. Okay, maybe yeah. I love Michigan because I love getting messed up off mezcal at this restaurant Nicole's talking I'm about. I'm going through like seven pages and you have Inaka next to Badmush. And for yeah. people in LA that don't know. But these aren't stars. These, these aren't, aren't stars. Well, well, Inaka has stars because it's a kiseki. It's a it's a delicious kiseki restaurant. And Badmush is like a, uh, how would you explain it? Like Punk rock LA. Indian fusion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Making so, butter chicken sandwiches. It doesn't have a star, but it's next to it, and that's pretty damn cool. Yeah, but it's not a star, though. When people so talk what? about, we don't talk about, are you on the Michelin Guide? We talk about, do you have a Michelin star, right? It's like the same of like going to the Olympic trials versus winning an Olympic medal. I mean, but they're you know? taking the extra steps to do the stuff. Yeah. Like, they yeah, have their fermentation stations, and they're... 
warming their plates in the oven Mm -hmm. and like so I don't know but I think there is like when you get up to the three Michelin star level all of the like Noma single thread Alinea like Mm -hmm. French laundry they have like a ton of people in back well front and back of house where it's just like if you don't have that headcount and you don't have those Mm -hmm. resources like you're not going to get there and that was like with Cato they knew that they weren't going to get another star at their old location because it was so the kitchen is tiny Mm -hmm. and they needed space to do R&D and things like that so it's also like kind of a money thing as well if you don't have the money to invest or you know the right resources like that that is the one argument that people have posed to me that has swayed me in the past to where now I'm a little bit on the fence a little bit you know less of a firebrand about it is that Michelin stars get more money into the food industry an industry that is perennially struggling, which is good. Which is yeah. good. But I'm curious from Lily's perspective, you've worked both in non-Michelin star kitchens and a Michelin star kitchen. Is there, would you say, not every Michelin star kitchen is the same, of course, but is there like a distinct difference in the way that business was conducted? Like where things just mm. run tighter at Cato than other restaurants? It was definitely tighter at <laughs> yeah, Cato. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were doing some questionable things at some of the other restaurants <laughs> I was working Welcome at. to restaurants, baby. I was just eating like French fries over the trash. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, he, maybe it is like John Yao. He's the, the head chef there and the mm-hmm. owner. And he's just like, I, for me personally, like I had like a really good experience mm-hmm. there. And I can say for some other like Michelin star restaurants, you're not going to get the best experience. Yeah. But things were definitely tightly run. But he was also very much like wanted to invest in his employees and make them better and better yeah but there's like some michelin star restaurants where you're picking herbs for a year before you move up so i i had a buddy that worked at providence which is a two michelin star restaurant Mm. i once went there for a media dinner where the chef went out himself and like caught just a random bounty of seafood and then made like an 11 course meal we were there for like six hours i think i drank 14 half pours of wine um which was really fun um but I remember some of the food. There was like Santa Barbara spot prawn with grilled roe, and some of it was good and interesting. But a lot of it did sort of rely on traditional, what we'd call like prestige ingredients. So it'd be like, yeah, caviar. And I'd be like, mm, good, but like, does it taste different? Could I yeah. right. recognize the difference between that and a caviar that was a third of the price? I don't think I could have. Mm. Things like that. Um, still really cool experience, but I had a buddy that worked there, and his job was to pick flowers for one single dish yeah. for about a year. I had this a dude, friend. Man. Yeah, I had a friend that worked at Melisse, and he was shelling fava beans for months. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I never saw a fava bean again. I'm like, I wouldn't either. It's if, exhausting. If I ever watch a cooking competition show and a person on there, I was going to say a guy, but then I didn't want to gender it, but it's always a guy, who's like, I staged at Noma for two weeks. And yeah. everyone's That's like, so ooh, cool, Noma. <laughs> and it's like, and like they always suck because it's like, one, if you would move to Copenhagen for two weeks of free labor for yourself where you're really just going to be like smelling pine cones yep. and then like putting them in a you know, cryovac. Like you're not Hit actually, you're not actually like, <laughs> I'll come, I'll, t- I'll butcher the reindeer penises myself, baby. Uh, Give oh me a God. buck knife and let me Imagine go to town. Imagine <laughs> a mythical kitchen Noma collaboration <laughs> oh, and no. we do Dorito crusted fermented reindeer penis. Oh, oh, woo! Sign me up. Making the world uh, a worse place. I have a question. Do y'all know what the stars mean? Because I don't. 
Not necessarily. Is, is there a clear definition? Um, let me see. Okay, this is what the interweb says. The star system was first introduced in 1926, with a single star denoting a very good restaurant. No. The second and third stars were added in 1933, with two stars meaning excellent cooking that is worth a detour, and three stars exceptional cuisine that is worth a special journey. Wait. I did not know that the original definitions were based on how far you should drive. Oh, that makes I, sense. Yeah. It's like one star's local, two star's international, or no, domestic, and then three star's international. <laughs> I, did you? Is that a thing you knew before this? That's what I've always interpreted as. Maybe I'm wrong. But, I never knew. Yeah. I just assumed it was more arbitrary. I mean, it Holy certainly crap, still is tires. kind of arbitrary. Yeah. But... The tires <laughs> make know, sense. Like... Yeah. It makes so much sense. That's epic. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think, like, what are the best meals you have ever had? Like, at a Michelin star restaurant or not? Like, are, are there meals that stick out in your mind at a Michelin star restaurant? Because I imagine we've all been to at least a couple, right? Yeah. Are there I, any that, like, really stick out? Like, the most memorable things you've eaten in your life? Um, there was this sea urchin donut Kato was doing where they had this donut with uh, brown butter emulsion, sea urchin, and some, like... I don't know, some like cured something on the top. I forget what it was. <laughs> Batarga or something? It could, I yeah, some really. sort of yeah. like obscure roe sack from a weird fish that nobody's <laughs> yeah, heard of. That's but it was really of... good, yeah. Yeah. I have my one my one that I'll always remember. So uh, when I was in culinary school, I got, I got like this really cool opportunity to go and potentially stodge at a Joel Robuchon restaurant in Vegas. And I went with my dad because there was also a fashion show there. And my dad, it was like, it was a fashion show. It was like a fashion show, like a show for clothing, not a walking show. Like a convention show. kind a of convention. thing? A convention, yeah, yeah, a fashion yeah, yeah. And um, I got to meet the head chef there and he uh, served me and my father dinner and it was delicious. We, my father has an allergy to pepper, so I made that very apparent. I said, my dad has a pepper allergy, so don't kill him. <laughs> and at that time, I was like 20 years old and I was just still like a cheeky kid, so I didn't know what the frick I was doing. They like gave me champagne and I'm like, ooh, this is luxe. This is fancy. Mm. This is incredible. I had my first taste of foie ever there. Um, I had a delicious beef cheek. Um, I had some Crab King stuff. I just remember the whole meal was beautiful. There was a, sable- a salted sable cookie that like blew Ooh. my mind. And then um, afterwards, my dad says, all right, I'm going to go to Nathan's Hot Dogs and just got a hot yes, dog. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so my Michelin experience, I was like, I was very intrigued by the whole thing. I didn't know that it was a, p- a potential passion of mine. Yeah. And it ended up not being one, to be yeah. quite honest. Fine dining, I, I love and respect, but very, very rarely will I invest in that kind mm. of experience at this point in my life. Right. I just don't know yeah. if, if spending $225 on a tasting menu is what I want to do. I want to buy a house, you know? Yeah. Bro, I spent like $125 <laughs> on Postmates for dinner. It like you That's just because I want to share because I want to share an app. I want to get I want to get like the like there's a cuckoo sabzi or like we a Kashki Badam June. We don't postmates to our house. And then I want the Shirazi too. We pick up. We pick up. And then we have to get two entrees <laughs> and it's like $125. So at this point I'm like what is money? <laughs> sure, sure. I, but I've become the ultimate we have food in the house. Uh, partner um, and I am like annoying about it yeah. I'm just like we have a quarter pound of ground turkey and a can of beans what are you talking about she's Poor like Julia. I'm allergic to beans <laughs> um, she's like but- I want to be wined and dined <laughs> I- he's like eat the beans <laughs> <laughs> eat the mush I have actually found myself much as a dirtbag that I am I have found myself craving the type of food that you would get in a Michelin star restaurant really I, mm. I know I feel is this the- this is really new for you Nicole perked up why because I miss going to a restaurant 
and there being words that I don't know, techniques that I don't know, huh. a mystery to the dish where it comes okay. out and I go, I do not know what this is going to taste like, but I am excited. Lily made a pasta the other day. This is why I can't shut up about her pasta. Um, the, <laughs> oh my gosh, she did? Okay, well, what was in it? So I lost. <laughs> she lo- I, t- I beat her in the pasta cook-off, but your pasta is significantly more interesting. Uh, she took like uh, mussels and made like a mussel stock with the shells, okay. but then reduced the mussel stock down to the point where it was like super cloudy and dark. Okay. And then like uh, like mounted butter into it. I think added a little bit of citrus and then like folded in like a cubed brown butter roasted squash and in like a pappardelle with the mussels. But it was a thing that it was a it was a flavor that I've never had. Yeah, you're questioning clear, the butternut squash. I uh, was, but like to be clear, my pasta tasted better. Yours, no, no, okay. hold on, hold on, hold on. No, wow. mine tasted better because I plowed it with with spice, acid, salt, and fat. Like you can make anything taste. Good. Taco Bell tastes good. They well, figured out the formula of balancing the things that the human body craves. But I'm going to start, start sounding like Bradley Cooper from Burnt here, where he's <laughs> like, the food should be so good that you hate it. You never want to eat it again. You want to die right there. But oh. having food that is oh. interesting that you've never had before. I've never had mussels in the flavor profile that That's Lily cool. cooked them in. There wasn't hey, a, there was, it. Yeah, I had five Michelin imp- stars. That's it was impressive. Like, it was like That's earthy impressive. and bacterial. And it was a technique that I'd never seen before, reducing it to basically make like a muscle demi. Mm. That's cool stuff. That's what yeah. I'm here for. It's like not all art has to be completely pleasant to look at, right? You know what I mean? I, like, I agree with that statement. Yes. But most foods should be yummy. Yeah. My favorite yes. painter would just splatter <laughs> lamb's blood against a canvas and be like, oh, this is Who's art. Who's your favorite painter? He's really problematic. Don't look up what he did. But Is, is it the guy who pissed in a jar? Uh, with the no, cross in it? I like that guy too, though. <laughs> I feel like uh, you like that guy. <laughs> no, it, was, it was a guy named uh, Ermann Nitsch, Hermann Nitsch. Okay. He was part of the Viennese actionists. Real problematic. Did a lot of stuff. That's but, okay. Um, you can still respect I it. I painted though. with lamb's blood. What do you expect? But the point is, I feel like every restaurant, even ones that are on the cusp of fine dining, not quite Michelin, right? But in just an expensive restaurant where you're going to go drop $100 for a casual dinner, I feel like food now has tended so towards like, we're going to make you a chicken sandwich. We're going to make you a burger. We have a cheeky play on a lasagna that subs out one ingredient. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I like that food, but at some point it all sort of tastes the same, right? We have one international take on a hot chicken dish. And yeah. It's like, oh, Szechuan peppercorn, a hot chicken. Don't talk about the, the chef that I'm subtweeting because I love her food. But <laughs> but I mean, like, or like we put, uh, it it reminds me of like the wasabi mashed potato days. It's just like, I want something that I've never had before. Oh, that sounds so you know? bad. Well, so that was like a big like 90s, like, oh. ooh, a Japanese ingredient like, in a French dish. That like hurt my chest. Yeah. yeah to think about. Wasabi mush. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> I still don't know, though, if Michelin is the guide to push people forward, but mm. I don't have a better solution. Hmm. Would you rather have it burned down or you think the criteria should just change? I feel like that's tough. That's a tough like philosophical question, right? Like, is the institution so ingrained in what it is, right? Because it's a majority of diners in a Michelin-starred. I went to a Michelin-starred restaurant recently, Melis, mm-hmm. one of the okay. OG Michelin-starred sure. restaurants, opened up in the late 90s, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Chef Josiah Citrin, really awesome stuff. One of the best bites of food I've ever had was there when I went maybe six, seven years ago, mm-hmm. um, balling on a budget that I did not have. But I think I just got a book advance that I would spend immediately after on student loans. But I went there. <laughs> Drank half a bottle of Cuervo before I went. I had a great time. Well, because alcohol there is too expensive. So but, you had to pregame. Heavily. Oh, don't worry. Everything tastes good. My husband point. travels with the floss. <laughs> but no still, problem. it was it was a uh, beef tartare with like an aged <laughs> – this is funny. It's very Portlandia. It was, a, it was a retired dairy cow. So they retired the dairy cow and then killed her 
and then ate the flesh. But it's Did not it a thing. Did it say that in the menu? <laughs> Did it say re- retired dairy cow like sirloin? Yeah. Did they say that? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it was like it was like Hereford Prime dairy cattle, like five years old, whatever. Um, yeah, so oh. it was a really interesting product never had, and it was a tartare, and it that was a hurts. smoked tomato emulsion. Okay. Incredible dish. Just some of the best flavors that have ever been inside my mouth. Um, but I went there recently after everything opened back up in the pandemic. Me and Julia went for, like, an anniversary dinner. The service was spectacular. Um, not to, I got recognized from the internet, and so you we got did. a free white truffle shaving, which is, like, a $300 value. Wow. But also You're $0 value because who cares about truffles? <laughs> did they put it in your water? Um, no, but you know what they did? Yes. <laughs> you know what they did have? The plate that the white truffle pasta came on had hands painted on it, and the the pasta was served inside the painted hands. That's cool. And they shaved the truffle on it. We ordered a grouse dish. It was their wild game season. Mm-hmm. And the server comes up and goes, um, be careful with the grouse because there may still be bird shot in there. And I was like, Not- what are you going on? Uh. Um, but the point, it was like still, I don't remember what any of the food really tasted like. It was all things that I've sort of, had before. I've, I've eaten, you know, white truffles is a cool experience if you build it up in your mind. But then once you have it a couple times, it's just like, that's $300 for a little bit of foot stank in your nose. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and most birds kind of taste the same. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. and, and also the average age of the diner there is probably 65 years old. Mm-hmm. Right. Which True. is a trip. And you're seeing that in a lot more fine dining restaurants. So it's like, they can whether or not, they can afford it. They're the people that can afford it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and other people are spending their money on going to festivals. I do have a club tip, For like, if there's like cooks out there or people trying to get in the industry, stage at like as many Michelin star restaurants as mm-hmm. possible. Or like whatever, fine dining restaurants that you're interested in. Because they usually give you like a free tasting menu. Oh, really? Really? They might not pay you, but they feed you. So it's a good t- <laughs> I mean, that's like how I have eaten at some of the Michelin star restaurants. So. Yeah. Wow. So you game the system. I, yeah. You the that's system. why I, I went to culinary it. school. Uh, <laughs> Maggie wants to know what stodging is. Oh, staging. Oh, staging, yeah. So that is when you basically, well, I don't think you can work for free anymore, at least in the U.S. I love it. <laughs> but it's basically like an interview, a working interview. So a cook will go into a restaurant and work a service, maybe a full service, maybe for a few hours. And the chefs and cooks are just monitoring them and seeing um, like how their skills are. They're looking at knife cuts, just like how fast they work, like how clean they work. And then they decide if they want to hire them or not. So, Staging yeah. is a large-scale system of illegal free labor that fine dining restaurants yes. uh, uses the backbone of their economic model. And that. But I've been doing it a little bit. But it's cool. I, I mean, whenever you're like, okay, let's think about it this way. When you're like young and bright and you're fresh out of school and you think you're the smartest person in the room because you're like, I know how to fillet this. Uh, I know what a brunoise is. Like right. you come in and then you immediately get shot down. Yep. And that is the best feeling like <laughs> 10 years later. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It you like you the degradation. Yep. It makes you it makes you more humble. Yeah, it makes you humble. realize that you don't know everything just because you have a degree if you went to culinary school. It doesn't mean anything because mm-hmm. the skills you're going to learn here are like nothing else. Right. And the people you're going to meet are like no one else too. I agree. Yeah. I uh, I did work with a chef who he worked at the Patina Group. This is a dude that like kind of took me yeah. under his wing for a summer while he was building out his restaurant. We did a lot of catering gigs. And like, of course, young, arrogant in college, thought I knew how to cook because I had some sure. freaking Instagram followers. And I'm cooking with him. And he was like, hey, like, here's how to do this. 
can't even remember what it was. And I just went, oh, I do it this way, yeah. which is the dumbest. Looking back on it, I'm like, I would, I wanted to slap myself. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, and 10 he, years later, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And God, probably it was about 10 years later. Uh, and he was just like, uh, this is my kitchen. You don't know how to cook. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Do it that way. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. So I think there there is something to having a high standard that has been set in history for over 100 years at this point to have people strive towards. I recognize that Michelin is trying to modernize themselves, trying to make it more democratic, trying to get less racist, classist, all that with it. I just, man, I'm unwilling to make a call right now on whether or not we should burn it to the ground or try and let them modernize. Mm. I don't know. I'm general, generally distrustful of authority, so I say burn it. I say give them, give them like five, six years. Let's see what kind of stuff is going to be startup. I yeah. agree. How do y'all feel about Yelp? What about it? I don't know. <laughs> what, about it? what does that have to do with this? What? Is it, Yelp well, Yelp's like, another I, way. They have a star system. I agree. I think it, there needs to be a hybrid of Joe Schmo like sending in their Yelp review and guides like Michelin or San Pellegrino or whatever I it disagree. is. Really? I disagree. Give me the separation. You <laughs> give it to me. Yeah, no, 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 no. I want the hoity-toity anonymous mofos to go and tell me what restaurant did the napkin the right way. Like, I want that. Like, I, I that's fancy. That's cool. And then I want someone to tell me, you know, their hot chicken was a little bit bland from Dave's Hot Chicken. One star, <laughs> no available street parking. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, it's like our podcast reviews. Uh, like, the stars, do they mean anything? The five-star ones do. <laughs> <laughs> but like but like you know what I mean like a one star like yeah. all our one stars are just from people from St. Louis mad that yeah, their pizza haters. sucks like I don't know what to tell you St. I've never Louis, been to us. stop giving us you one star you have no reviews. idea how many I've one stars had, we can take I've never had it before I can't judge this it this ship will not sink because of St. Louis the third best city in Missouri that's right KC Mo Jefferson City St. Louis you're a third city in a fourth tier state get out of here All right, Nicole and Lily, we've heard what you and I have to say. Now it's time to find out what other wacky ideas are rattling out there in the voicemail-averse. We had a better voicemail-verse. That's way better. It's time for a segment we call Opinions, Opinions are, are Like Casserole. Hey, let's listen to our first voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is Inyaki Madrigal. I live in the Bay Area. I'm currently driving home from the mountains on Labor Day weekend. I just wanted to say, Nicole, you are not alone in your man-witch delusion (laughs) of meat not being in the can. My roommate in college was so excited for his sloppy joe. He got the buns, he got the man-witch can, even got like onions on the side. He had a beer ready to go, opens the can to pour it in the stove. And he may have been a little inebriated, but he pours it in the stove. You make a sandwich in college. And just starts eating done. it up and notice that it looks really runny. <laughs> and he had no other dinner plan. Notice that there was no meat in it. And he had what what me and my friends still call to this day bread sauce. He dipped <laughs> the bun into the sandwich sauce like oh. a barbarian. But it was awesome. So you're not alone. Thanks. I love when I find me my mishpacha. Mishpacha means people yeah. in Hebrew. So tell your old roommate I said, hey, 
What's up? Yeah, Nicole's <laughs> hollering at her old roommate. Also, Inyaki, are you Basque? Inyaki, That's a great Inyaki name. is a very uh, Basque name Inyaki from Inyaki Madrigal. Beautiful name, beautiful name. Very um, cool name. Lily, you familiar with Manwich? I am, yes. Did you know that there was not meat in the can? Yeah, I knew there was no meat in the can. How is that I'm sorry, Nicole. But, okay, so there's canned chili. You mean to tell yeah. me there's canned chili, but Manwich don't have no meat oh, in it? Oh, we have the technology, Nicole. We have the technology. <laughs> well, why but don't not... we make it? I'll t- <laughs> <laughs> it can happen because I feel stupid. I won't feel stupid no more. <laughs> uh, I like the idea of just plain manwich soup. It's vegetarian. It's healthy. You know, you just eat that up, sop it up with the bread. You don't even need the meat. Okay, you're alone <laughs> with that. All right, next up. Hey, Josh and Nicole. My name is David. I'm from Florida. And I don't know if this is a weird Florida opinion man. or not, but back in the day when I was doing keto, I would love to eat a whole bag of shredded cheese. And my go-to snack was a whole jar of peanut butter and a whole jar of shredded cheese at the same time. Uh. I still enjoy it from time to time, but I thought I'd let y'all know. Thanks. Okay. Fun fact, Lily was doing keto or keto adjacent like a, like a few weeks ago. Yeah, I How can do you really. I mean, when I first did it, I did see differences. and I But I was like eating a ton of bacon and yeah, a lot of cheese. So I can definitely relate. No judgment. But I'm pretty sure peanut butter has carbs. So I don't know. Some have a little bit of sugar added, but yeah. like a lot of them will have none. The, the most interesting thing about what our man David from Florida said is that every quantity he used was just the vessel that it was yeah. purchased in from the jar store. Of, a jar, jar of, a bag of. <laughs> yeah, I, I like love it. that he starts something and he finishes it. David, that's the kind of follow through that we need in this world. I hope your poops are better. Yeah. Not that you're not on keto. Keto poops are bad. Are they? Lily, how are your poops? <laughs> no, no, no. I no, was you. a little constipated. Yeah, I'm it's all the, bacon, yeah. all the bacon and all the cheese. That'll do it. You yeah, need yeah. fiber. Yeah, yeah. You I, need fiber. I did keto for a while back in the day. Psyllium husk. Um, Psyllium Husk. Psyllium husk. Yeah, I I do not advocate for the keto diet as a lifestyle lifestyle solution (laughs) to any of your problems at all. (laughs) We've gotten so far in health culture that now we've just turned the wheel in the opposite direction and be like, is a giant bag of cheese healthy? (laughs) Probably <laughs> Joe Rogan. Does, you know, come on, get out of here. It's, it works. it's weird. It well, works. What do you mean works? Your body goes into ketosis. Yeah, you've shocked your body. Keto is a diet developed I for know, epileptic I, children to I stop know. their seizures. I know that. Yeah, you can treat. You know what? Worse, starving yourself, you lose weight. It's not good for you. You know, criminy crip craps here. <laughs> Bacon's good. Cheese good. <laughs> now that we can all agree on. This is. Um, someone from Illinois that is I'm now honest. living in the South, and I just gotta say, I miss Jardinaire. Y'all need to talk about Jardinaire on the podcast because it's so good, and I need to know where to find it or how to make it. Mazzetti, Mazzetti okay. brand. <laughs> By the way, y'all have a great show. Thanks. Okay, I have a question because Jardinaire means different things to different people. Does it? I think so. I think there's hot Jardinaire. That's the okay. oily one with the with the pet with the with the flex in it, and then there's like torshi, which is jardinière. You're right. By you know God, what I mean. Right. So I don't mm. know which one she's talking about. I'm guessing it's the hot jardinière. So mezzetta 
is the brand that's that sells a lot of those like pepperoncinis, pickled onions, yeah. olives. Yeah, 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 I like that stuff. And they sell uh, a mixed jardinier, which, as Nicole said, it's a lot more similar to Torshi, which is a bit mixed pickle, right? Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Iran. yeah. Um, but the Chicago style jardinier specifically is like mostly peppers with a bunch of other seasonings in it, right? Yeah. I understand. Um, yeah, jardinier is just a spicy mix of pickles. I imagine it's Southern Italian. And the reason I think it's specifically Southern Italian is because. One, it's very Italian-American, mm-hmm. um, but people say jardinere instead of giardinera. It's an extra right? syllable. You drop the syllable because a lot of Southern Italian languages, that's why you get gabagool, because mm. in Sicily, the C was softened to a G sound, and they dropped a lot of uh, ending vowels. So that's where we get a lot of these sort of like the mozzarella, the gabagool, the calamar. So so someone named Caleb would be named Galeb? <laughs> yes, Nicole. They'd be named Galeb. Okay. If, if, if a rogue, what, like a 20-year-old exchange student went to Sicily, they'd be maybe Galeb. So, I don't know. Um, I don't know. So if someone's name was Kayla, their name would be Gayla? Gail? They'd just be Gail. <laughs> the Gail. That's my mom's name. Gail? Yeah, we Your love mother Gail. is a Gail? Gail sounds like Gail, if you're sweet. listening, we love you out there. Uh, no, Jardinier is great, though. I love Jardinier. Um, I have to call out the show The Bear. Lily's have you the watched the bear? Lily, have you watched the bear? <sighs> yeah, it's it so stresses realistic. me out. I can't. But Lily, it's just like it is in a normal kitchen. Didn't I, you see them drinking from deli cups? Yeah. <laughs> I, drink out, I drink out of a water bottle. <laughs> Everyone get a water bottle if you are a cook. Just get one. <laughs> it's fine. There's this scene, though, where he's like, we're out of jardinier. And he goes, we'll just make it fresh for service tonight. And it's like, it's a pickle. It's, it's a fermented. pickle. Is it fermented? It's fermented, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it makes no sense. If Anyways. one more person asks me if I've watched The Bear as a food person, I will rip out my eyelashes. It's a great show. It is awesome. Maddie rules in it. I want to watch Ayo it. Ayo Beery yeah. rules in it. Jeremy Allen White rules in it. But I'm so sick of people saying like, hey, have you watched have you, it? Have you seen it? Yo, they drink out of a deli cup. That happens, really. <laughs> I'm just like, I know. Oh, yeah. They're smoking cigarettes. They're drinking from delis. Yeah. I get it. They're yelling. I get it. It's I just, did, it's a good show for other reasons. I did tell David that if I feel trauma, I'm not going to watch it. But I did. I felt it and I still watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a strong girl. <laughs> uh, Next opinion, please. Hi. So my name is Alex. He trained on the show. We're and I'm from English. Columbus and grew up eating Johnny Marzetti. They routinely <laughs> oh. served it at my elementary school for lunch. It was delicious. I had never realized it was a Columbus only thing until I moved to Minnesota and I tried to describe it to my husband and he said, no, that's goulash or goulash mm. hot dish because Minnesota call everything hot dish. Hot dish. Weird. But yeah, Johnny Marzetti, it's delicious. Giant chunks of tomato is key. And then I guess kind of it's a chili mac. I feel like the chili spices are not the same in the Johnny Marzetti I grew mm. up, but that's my story. So thanks, guys. So many listeners from Ohio. I, everyone in my family makes this Wait, dish. what do they call it, though? Um, it's like chop suey. You call it chop suey or, up yeah. in Maine, yeah. Oh yeah. my okay, god! Okay, so so so, so. <laughs> yeah. the the great American dish. It's not the hamburger. It's not fried chicken. It's not mac and cheese. It is a slop filled with ground meat, canned tomatoes, macaroni noodles, and yep. then whatever else you got. Yeah. Mm. Some places call it chop suey. Some places call it like chili mac is a little bit different. Some places call it Johnny Marzetti. Goulash is another name that they call it. Yep. Where it's just a bunch of crap, and nobody knows how the names became what they are. That's it? You grew up in chop suey country. Yeah, it's good uh, slop. <laughs> but isn't chop suey like a uh, Chinese? Yeah, it's yeah. a real Chinese dish that then turned into like a very bastardized American Chinese dish of just like vegetables and things thrown together. 
Uh-huh. So I think maybe like white Americans, uh, the type that would eat, you know, canned uh, tomatoes and, and ground beef and macaroni, saw the chop suey to them was just like, oh, a bunch of mishmash thrown together. So they called it, you know, American chop suey. To be alive is to be perpetually fascinated. That's something I believe. Mm-hmm. Even okay. if it's something as stupid as what different regions in America <laughs> call their macaroni slop. It's huh. it's interesting, though. It is. A hundred percent. And the reasons that all these happen, right? Calling something chop suey versus goulash. Goulash is a Hungarian real dish that exists, right? Yeah. And somehow that got equated with chop suey, got equated with a random Italian man named Johnny Marzetti. Those are all the same things. Food is beautiful. It's diverse. The regions that we live tell a story. That rules. That does rule. What's a regional thing that you grew up with that other people just like wouldn't know about if you use like a term? I mean, chop suey is a good example. Are there other ones from Maine? Um, You mentioned steamers the other day. Oh, yeah. Steamers What's a steamer? (laughs) It's not from Cleveland. Um, there are these clams, and they're big, uh-huh. or they can get big, but they are buried. Maybe all clams are, but they're buried under the sand, and mm-hmm. you see them, like, poking out. They're, like, pee out water, and then you dig down, and then you find your clam, and okay. then you steam them, which okay. is why they're called steamers. Okay. And you just dip them in, uh, you know, butter. A sauce. Yeah. Um, that sounds really good. That's really good. I don't have one. Spicy tuna crispy rice? <laughs> no, I know. I'm trying to think of like, well, to me, there's like the Southern California canon of sushi that's really interesting. Like a dynamite roll. Yeah. Right? We all sure. know what a dynamite roll is, whereas mm-hmm. I don't know if people in other hmm. areas would. I'm trying yeah. to think of like taqueria menu stuff too. Like, um... California, mule, California mulita, burrito. A mulita. But like mulitas yeah. are like real things that exist. I'm thinking of something that just Vampirio. came about. Vampiro. Vampiros mean different things in different uh, regions as well. There's a lot of that stuff in Mexico, which is why I love Mexican food so much. I'm trying to think of like distinctly Southern California stuff. I don't know if we have like a like a novelty name for anything like that. Like if you see a gringo burrito, that's a that's like a relatively. Unique I don't know thing. what a gringo burrito. Is. It probably just has potatoes in it. From what I've noticed, that most taquerias have gringo burrito on, or oh. they'll use that to describe a California burrito, uh. which is carne asada, French fries, all the fixins. But I don't know. I'm gonna mull that over. Adding guacamole to your burgers, like the California. We do love avocados here. Howard's bacon and avocado burger, baby. (laughs) Lily, you ever been there? No, I haven't. Okay, it's a big sign on Venice Boulevard. You can't miss it. Oh, it's like a theater marquee. It's in a strip mall theater marquee. Howard's world famous bacon and avocado burgers. It is the most average, delightful burger you ever had in your life. Not a single person outside of that square mile knows about it. World famous is tough. I don't think you go to Mumbai. <laughs> How, many How many stars does it have? How many stars does it have? Michelin stars. It's got my approval, baby. I love uh. it. Parks down the street from my favorite taco truck, my favorite bar with $5 Manhattans. On that note, thank you for listening to A Hot Dog is a Sandwich. If you want to hear more from us here in the Mythical Kitchen, we got new episodes for you every Wednesday. If you want to be featured on Opinions or like Casseroles, leave us a voicemail. Give us a ring and leave a quick message. Will I ever not laugh when I'm saying this? Oh, Lily, you got to call the hotline to hear what <laughs> yeah. it sounds like. Give us a ring and leave a quick message at 833-DOGPOD1. <laughs> for more Mythical Kitchen, check us out on YouTube. We launch new videos every week. See y'all next time. And thank you to our guest, Lily Cousins. Thank Lily. you, Lily. Thanks Plug for yourself. Me. Yeah, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me in the Mythical Kitchen. I'm doing dishes sometimes. And <laughs> yeah, these are my bosses. Yeah, we like pay you like a like a fair wage. Like we're working on like getting You get half a bowl of slop if like, you don't you know, answer right. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I only uh, get slop. I get paid in slop. 